substance equals spin The propagandas win Stress feeding on my attention My countrymen, they love their fiction Words are now This made with good intentions uh, Welcome to 1200, the Independent Politics and Media Podcast That's much cleaner Do you want to read some of the Pimp Kyle's 1 of 200 intro? <laughs> sections <laughs> yeah i'll get to that maybe next week when i've had time to peruse it and internalize it a little better i'm joined by my co-host this morning uh oliver welcome back good to have you here got a, got a, happy to be here and simon hey simon got a, um hello i've been subjected uh, i've had to willingly subject myself to the zoom processing of my audio i've been told that my audio is too good so it's too crispy it's not allowed to be yeah, I'm sorry, sorry about everybody. it. Makes the risk We're not here to um to stand out. We we are. That's right. This is a New Zealand podcast. The tall poppy must be yeah, cut yeah. down. It will be mowed down. Like yeah. Speaking um, of genocide. Uh, oh geez, what a fucking segue! It's bad. It's really fucking bad out there, eh? The ways in which it just keeps going in Gaza. Everyone. Well, they say everyone, but you know, this is part of the way that international media and the west covers gaza is to say that everyone's been displaced and everyone is in the south now uh, now it's everyone is in rafa which is the southest you can get uh, of course this isn't true there are still people uh, throughout gaza who haven't been able to relocate um, or have chosen not to who because they shouldn't just, have to like this is because the... they shouldn't because it's, yeah. they don't want to be ethnically cleansed that um, thing that's always sort of driven me so crazy is is that, that they were told to leave. Come, why, why didn't they just leave? Why didn't they just leave? And it's just like, what? When did we just become fine with ethnic cleansing as a concept? But um, you know, so we were going to talk yeah. about the UNRWA. Yeah. Um, Oof, what an infuriating story. Well, this is the thing. So everyone's like a large number. The the majority uh, probably now of Palestinians in Gaza have moved to the south. I think it's 1.7 million are displaced um, of 2.2 million. So, uh, yeah, I'm comfortable saying the majority. A lot of them are in uh, tents um, or nothing in in Rafa uh, on the border with Egypt. And as you'd expect, there's an incredible need for humanitarian aid in situations like that to provide the tents, to provide food and water and health care. We know from... You know, the entire time during this genocide that all of those have been very poorly maintained and by the international community and NGOs. And that is in large part the intent of Israel's both strategy strategy on the ground um, and strategy uh, in terms of how they're doing public relations uh, in the West. And yeah, the UNRWA stuff. I really hate trying to say UNRWA. It's um, <laughs> it's a bad acronym. It's a mouthful either way. Yeah, they are the key organization, uh, or ha- or have been for years and years and years. Have, and years. That, yeah, that, yeah. One one of a, a sort of a linchpin organization there for people on the ground to to provide that support. Everything from healthcare to education to housing. To employment and so i don't think it was a surprise to anyone who's been following um or who has some understanding of you know the history of gaza that israel was gonna go after them they've tried to go after them multiple times like in the past already like 
there's already some good groundwork there by them to do it. Yeah, and there, there was certainly a, a deliberacy to the, to the sort of timing of it because I think, you know, they had the interim finding from the ICJ and the headline, initially they tried to spin it as, we've been found not guilty of genocide, which was very, very quickly sort of um, challenged because they said, actually, you've found found credibly guilty of genocide. RNZ struggled uh, with that as well. Reddy uh, yeah. and the Prime Minister Just struggled with that. straight up. Yeah, I did see that they eventually posted a correction. To yeah, it, barely. Yeah, God, the way the irresponsibility around that. But what 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 I thought was maddening or or terrifying and bizarre about it all was that literally right immediately afterwards, literally within like twelve hours of the hearing, it was within an hour. Suddenly, it was within an hour. <laughs> might have been, might have been even that quick. Yeah, I'm, I'm misremembering how how tight the timeline was, but they. They literally just said, oh, by the way, we've suddenly found this um, evidence that the UN is, was actually involved in October 7th and was helping out and they were running around with guns shooting people, um, which is uh, baffling, a bizarre claim to anyone who knows anything about the situation and immediately able to be dismissed by anyone who has the faintest clue what's going on. And yet um, all of these sort of Western allies of, of the genocide, the, the sort of helper regimes, decided to um, run it like it was a real serious story, which incredible blow to the credibility. I, I guess I'll give Winston Peters some small amount of credit. He sort of talked about it and then was like, we need to look into this rather than um, just straight up saying we will we'll cut funding like, uh, like they did in Australia, which they've now had to backtrack, which um, was just, uh, again, sickening to see. Yeah, it's... Is so barefaced, um, and it seems like Anwar knew what was coming because they immediately, oh, we got rid of these people, you know, like we fired these people for allegations um, yeah, that are completely unproven. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, desperately needed funding. Yeah, I mean, come on, dudes. Like, uh, I, I get it, but it wasn't. It was never going to do the trick. You may as well just kept them on the payroll. It's, and you know, this is all besides the fact that. One of the, the main argument being made is it, it was twelve people who were who were being uh, met, had allegations made against them. No real details about who they were. Out of thirteen thousand in Gaza, and also like it was like in, in what way, right? Like. Yeah, were well, these people one of involved? the claims was that they had made like sympathetic posts on social yeah. media, and I was just like. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, that, that's what that, you mean by involved. That's what you mean by involved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, just um, just baffling. The inhumanity of it, it was genuinely kind of shocking at how and and how um, sort of undignified and, and phony it all seemed. Like all these people that, um, yeah, very, very clearly outed themselves as totally uninterested in the facts. Yeah. Uh, literally just everything is about the sort of motivated reasoning to find a, an angle for supporting the Israeli position. Yeah. And the despite speed, it being obviously false. The speed at which the US and the UK in particular just like, oh, yeah, okay, done. Um, really said to me that uh, they they already knew what was, like that some cover was going to be provided for them um, and they were ready to, to pull that funding. Uh, a bunch of video and other stuff came out like, in the following week, uh, showing, uh, I think, members of the Nesset saying we need to destroy Gaza, we need to destroy Anwar. Like, mm. you know, th things along and this it, line. They, they were, at the same they time, ready. like, the videos of, like, the Israeli protesters who are, like, blocking the aid trucks on the border, uh, not letting them come in, and the, like, <laughs> the um, photos that came of the aftermath of a 
a couple of aid trucks that got bombed by a plane. All of this, like, that's the backdrop of this conversation is, you know, we're watching these genuine, horrific atrocities playing out and with, like, uh, civilians as well yeah. sort of moving in their numbers to commit actual terrorism and participate in genocide with this like wild-eyed enthusiasm and celebratory sort of atmosphere um, and, and we're supposed to be sort of told that, that these people are in the right that they're the ones who are sort of the good guys and these um, got people who made sympathetic posts on social media are the real villains that should deserve to have their funding cut and people should deserve to starve. And it's just dizzying. It's a dizzying thing to be asked by these people in power. Yeah. But it's done. Like they're fucking done. They like mm. the structures are still standing, but yeah, I mean, like they have to go full fash, sorry, if they want to keep it up. And, you know, they're probably going to give that, give that a good shot. The, th- the other thing is that a lot of this stuff is in direct contravention of the orders the interim orders given by the acj you know they they were required to like well one stop doing a genocide or stop doing things that could plausibly be considered genocide oops haven't managed that but also to provide aid to ensure that these things wouldn't happen and they've immediately gone after the aid you know it's very clear what they're trying to do at this point um even for people that might have been unhappy or uncomfortable using those stronger terms but that's all, that's the context. And the update is that some media organizations got their hands on the dossier that had been given to the US um, and the UK and Canada and et cetera that made these claims about UNRWA. And it was, it was there's nothing in there. There was no evidence. Like yeah. there wasn't even, you know, one of the things was uh, people saying this evidence was like um, it came from Shin Bet, um, who are like very well known to extract um, information under torture. Uh, and so it couldn't be trusted. But that like that's not even there. <laughs> it's the, yeah. And this has been immediately put to the leadership of these countries and yeah the way penny wong put it was we didn't have all the facts yeah <laughs> was her statement as she was talking about how they're just now trying to backpedal their immediate and over hasty cancellation of support so this is penny wong is the um uh, foreign, foreign minister of australia. australia yeah put her foot in it yeah what an idiot like so desperate to just follow the leader eh? that they're gonna get embarrassed again and again and again and but who who cares about that? Because and they probably don't either. Because they're doing what they want to do, and that is genocide, all uh, the Palestinians in Gaza and, they're, they're and doing, the West Bank. Thought, probably what's unnerving is they're doing what they believe is right, uh, which is uh, yeah unsettling. Yeah, yes. Then alongside that, um, in international news, uh, as the Western order continues to collapse, we had. Joe Biden this week. And whenever information comes out like this, I'm like, someone close to him is leaking this. This is like the powers that be. These are the people who are running the DNC who are like, we need an out, right? Like, mm. um, so there's some special counsel notes. Uh, I think some of them did from 2017 and some others from 2023. So just last year. And even the ones from 2017 called into question like the memory and the speed of response that Joe Biden was capable of during interviewing. Um, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, 
we were talking about this years ago. We were talking about this when he was campaigning uh, before he even uh, won the election. We were saying, "Is this is this the guy that's going? Is this the guy that's going to do it?" And it was funny because you talk about it in those sort of very realistic terms. You say, "Oh well, this is this is very clearly an old man suffering from senility." Uh, is this guy the guy? And people would say, "Oh well, you can't say that. That's um, unfair or it's a stutter, Ollie." <laughs> or a, just a stutter. He always had yeah. the stutter. Was like such a rewrite of history to me. He was a fantastic orator. Like yeah. that's a if you're truly a Biden supporter, my God, please like understand your guy. Go back and watch his uh, speeches on how much he loves Israel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How much he wants to um, kill people. Man was not stuttering then. Nah. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's it, it, it's. I mean, obviously, it's a good thing that people are now able to talk more freely about it, and that it's just sort of everyone sort of understands and agrees. Oh yes, this man is sundowning. Uh, possible opportunity to do the funniest thing that has ever happened in the history of politics by uh, coronating Hillary Clinton as the candidate and then having her lose again. Oh uh, God! Obviously terrible, but also come on, if that's not. <laughs> like of all the things that could go horribly wrong you, you gotta laugh she has been uh, doing the rounds a bit more recently that's the one i mean i seem it seems like the more obvious choice is kamala but um god no she comes with her own she's worse she's well. worse than clinton y- yeah no, no i well, sorry i say worse she in terms of worst candidate yeah people find her strange and i think um she polls worse Hillary yeah. Clinton is obviously a worse person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they decide to do. I think America um, deserves the Xanax candidate. <laughs> I feel like that represents <laughs> most of the housewives in America. I think that Kamala Harris is the perfect little metonym <laughs> for them. And much the same way as Trump is like the perfect American. I think Kamala is is a perfect other American. She is an archetype. It is. Yeah. In, in her own way, it makes her more relatable. It's like a hundred percent. A funny gimmick is that she's just barred out of her brain every time she goes in public. And you know, who wouldn't love to be that cooked on the job? <laughs> she's living the dream. Yeah, it's um, it's not looking good, uh, and but it's especially not looking good when you know you've got you know Biden is still the president, uh, and he's standing up to talk about some of this stuff, and genuinely doesn't know what's happening. Um, yeah, I think about dead people that he's been hanging out with. Um, that's a real one foot in the grave type behavior. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's really bad. And you know, like, who's he's clearly not running things, even though, like, you know, his stance on Israel is incredibly bad um, and always has been. It is, it is possible he's steering that though, because he he has been of the Democrats one of the more extreme mm-hmm. supporters of Israel, like to compared to even years ago with. Obama, um, who wasn't good on this issue particularly, but was significantly better, uh, and George W. Bush, who was also a lot better uh, on the Israel issue than Biden was, despite, again, not being good. So what we're saying uh, is um, Trump, though, is probably worse, and so you have to vote for Joe Biden. Um, yeah, because... it's a real um, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, it's... I, I don't... I mean, we know that the Democrats and the U.S. are just happy to do this. Um, the, the fucking tragic case of uh, Diane Feinstein in uh, the Senate and Congress. Fuck, I don't know. Um, who literally just isn't there anymore. Um, mm. But they don't want to pull her out because they'd have to have a, um, a by-election. 
Yeah, it's like I remember reading years ago that the the I, I don't know if this still holds true. It may, may have even gone up, but there was an article that got published a few years ago talking about how the median age in the Senate was something like 78, 70, 70, some, 70 something, uh, and just been like, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms before. But I was like, wait, that's the median? <laughs> like, yeah, that's no. old. There's a lot of very very old people making decisions for um, a world that they are, to put it insensitively not long for yeah and they, they don't um, have to care about it they don't have to care and yet they they do care very much about doing the wrong thing on their way out or not doing right by their own children and grandchildren and that's um, and constituents yeah 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 i mean obviously constituents come first i have to say <laughs> it's it's also funny that they're willing to damn their own families which um and sort of still go to you know thanksgiving dinners or whatever yeah uh, and don't, they don't get pushback from the young people in their lives. Or maybe they do. Maybe they're all alienated from their own grandchildren. Who knows? But this speaks to me, the mechanics of state in the US as well, right? Like the fact that a, a Biden or a Feinstein can be a representative um, and things just keep ticking along. I've seen people calling it like, um, you know, dementia proof. They're like, But that's kind of not what we want, you know, like mm. because that means someone else is making the decisions. And in case it seems like we're being too nice to Republicans, obviously, you know, Mitch McConnell is also no, oh, a walking yeah, corpse. Like, that man is oh, we're not, barely alive. We're not so pro gop here. It's a bipartisan issue of uh, geriocracy. Yeah. Um, I I don't know what the 2024 election, because end of the year, you know, like, I don't know what it has in store for us. I'm just glad I don't have to participate. In the October surprises, they both die. You know oh. what? Like, I would fucking hoot <laughs> Let's and holler. Go. <laughs> I'd turn into one of those fucking, like, apes. Um, that would be even funnier than the Hillary Clinton thing, actually, is if they both don't make it to October. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen because I think Donald Trump is just a, a homunculus consisting of McDonald's <laughs> grease is shaped into a snowman. And He's Joe Biden appears to be like, odds. his mind is melting, but he appears to be the God Emperor from Warhammer. He's like, listen, Jack, I've been alive for 10,000 years. You got to sacrifice a thousand human suckers a day so I can live. We're sending out the beacon. The aliens are coming. It's all happening. Like... You just, he's never going to die. He's going to slow. It's like Kissinger, right? How was he? He was over a hundred years old. Biden will just deteriorate. And everybody has to be in denial as they scurry around. And he continues to be president for a thousand years. That's what I think is going to happen. The unfortunate thing with Kissinger, though, was that he was still quite lucid, even in his sort of late years, which it would have been better if he wasn't, because every time he sort of opened up to say anything, it was always horrific. But- yeah. yeah, and he had the air of, like, anyone um, within the state who he wanted the air of. So he was still mm. guiding foreign policy. Let's not joke ourselves about that. So this is why I was so happy mm. he died. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely for the best overall. Yeah, this is, a, this is a net good. Congratulations on getting to that point, bro. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's bleak, and I, I feel bad for Americans, but I also feel bad for the rest of us because, uh, as as the great philosopher Till Lindemann says, we are all living in America. <laughs> I um I blame the, the Americans. <laughs> You're always safe if you do that. 
<laughs> Uh, they should just January 6th them, right? Like, just. <laughs> yeah. January 6th, but with a leftist philosophy. That's the one we The reason need everybody at hated the time. January 6th is because they did it for bad reasons. <laughs> but. Time to January 6th, but for good reasons. And and watch the different police response where <laughs> instead of aiding and abetting the rioters, the police just open fire, yeah, which would we're doing be, we're yeah. doing June 1st, baby. <laughs> Now, this has been like, um, you know, this is a, a current narrative in, in the States around Trump because they're, they're like, they're fucking, oh, fuck, we fucked up now. Like all the um, neoliberals uh, in the Democratic machine are like, man, if this was uh, BLM, everyone would be in jail and Obama would never get to run again. And like, who? Um, Obama? What? But this is what they're trying to say. This is what they're trying to claim. You're like, nah, I, I don't Yeah, think we can do this, guys. it's sort of a, a little bit of an aside, but I don't know if you saw that the UK has been discussing and implementing a Yes, I did rule see this. that would forbid the wearing of face coverings, but the very, very sinister inclusion of the phrase, not allowed to wear face coverings at certain types of protest. Uh, and people sort of tweeting at the home office and messaging and calling the home office being like, hey, what do you mean by at certain types of protest? Hey, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Mm. People are saying about like fascism is coming, folks. Like, and the US and the UK are, well, UK, I think, is like leading the charge on that in some respects in terms of the, the Yeah. full flip. Obviously, there are countries across Europe who are closer to being uh, fascist, um, Yeah. if not, Or uh, already kind of yeah, just kind of there. there. But <laughs> in terms of the Not like everything but name. liberal to fascist flip, the UK wants it. They are hungry for it. No, I, I believe Yeah. in this law, but I believe that the government should go further. It should not just be face coverings at protests. I believe that it should also be Islamophobic, this law, so burkas should also be banned. <laughs> Oh, it's oh my god! They're gonna do it. They're gonna follow France. Yes, Starmer is gonna is gonna hit the gas on this one. Well, this is the thing, right? Is one of the major issues in the UK. is that Sunak and the Tories come out and say this shit. And yeah, as you say, Starmer, he's like, oh, we'll, um, we'll not even vote on that. We'll, we'll abstain. Yeah, Uh, we don't want to we don't want to rock the boat too much. We're not trying to do anything. God, one of the one of the great um, revelations I think for the conservative movement about twenty years ago was realizing, hey, we don't have to always try to win elections. We can just go and join the other party uh, and just sabotage them from inside. And it's it's never been so clear to me that that's basically what happened to the UK Labour Party. is a bunch of Tories were just with like zero moral principles. We're just like, oh, what, what, let's just all just join the Labour Party and basically just turn it into a conservative party. I think Um. you're underrating how powerful just raw careerism is. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely think it's more than that. I, th I, do, I do think it's like ideologically driven because it's so, it's so absurd. It's so, the, the people who are in these parties are, are not just careerists. They are ideologically conservative people. Mm. Yeah, they made Trotskyism Uh, real. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah it's 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 uh, yeah very a very strange state of affairs and you know germany too we were talking about like the, the banning of certain types of protests and the banning of certain you know banning of burkas germany banned the display of the palestinian flag Yes, and they, they yeah. made it a, a, a chargeable crime to use the phrase free palestine uh in germany uh in public Mm And all under this uh, umbrella kind of incredibly false belief uh, that somehow this is all anti-Semitic. It's, it's really fucking disgusting to me the way that fascistic policies are being enacted under that guise.
And the way in which it's presented by Germany, I think, is particularly vile because the way that it's presented in Germany is, oh, we're the experts on this. We perpetrated, <laughs> we perpetrated it. No, this is not a joke. We perpetrated this crime. And therefore, we know about it. It's like, yeah. mm, there's something about that logic which doesn't seem quite right, but I can't put my finger on it. As, as the foremost experts on anti-Semitism and genocide, it's time for us to lecture you people about it. As the yeah, benefactors just- of Operation Paperclip. Uh- <laughs> By the way, I, yeah, I, I, as I'm saying this, I'm saying this from a house that I live in because my parents were, grandparents were Nazis and they stole it from a Jewish family. Like, you know, oh that's the, 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 when it comes to like... Uh, the actual material component to it. These are these are people who are all just active beneficiaries of the Holocaust, um, who are telling us, trying to lecture us on anti-Semitism. Just yeah, right. Yeah, it's sickening. It's a mad, mad world. Um. So, uh, wow. What are your top three predictions for the global order? <laughs> who are you guys? What's your fantasy <laughs> football of the world? My top mate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> My, my BuzzFeed listicle, top three predictions for the next 10 years. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go first? Simon? No, feel free not uh, to do that. One, that United Protestant <laughs> Ireland. Two, uh, yeah. President Xi converts to Zoroastrianism and unites all of Eurasia. Three, uh, this one's a gimme, but New Zealand pivots to joining China's bandwagon. There we go. That's three things. Hey, I love them. Those yeah. those are plausible yeah, somehow. I mean, maybe not. The, uh, I actually, did you see the, the tweet from the uh, China's ambassador to New Zealand saying, my flight didn't go from Wellington to Auckland, but you don't have any trains, so I can't go there. And I was like, yes, <laughs> King, give us high-speed rail. Come on. Tell <laughs> she. Uh, very, yeah, very deserved little burns. Uh, no predictions from you, Ollie. That's fine. Uh, let's move- oh, hey, no, I've got my I've got. Oh, my you got some? You got some up that sleeve? Yeah, no. Um, Joe Biden re-elected in landslide victory. Uh, indictment of Trump goes forward, and he's jailed because we live in the in the universe where things go slightly better. Uh, Joe Biden then immediately dies and hands the reins over to Kamala, who uh, turns out is actually extremely dovish on the Palestinian Israel cause and outs herself as a secret uh, fellow traveler. Uh, so immediately cuts American aid. Uh, and is outed as one of the greatest presidents in the history <laughs> of America. K Hive vindicated. Yeah, yeah. K Hive fully, fully vindicated. Total exoneration. Uh, as the people who were trying to bring it. Yes, they were an insane cult, but they were the first insane cult ever to be right. Uh, and it turns out she is actually the god empress, uh, and it w- was just biding her time to bring us into the new golden age of humanity. Uh, and then 1,000 years of human flourishing <laughs> and peace. Kamala Banzai. I love this. I love this. I like, um, I mean, there's some good in both those predictions, and may they come true. Um, I'm, I'm not going to make any predictions. I'm a podcast host. Coward. We know how dangerous such things are. I, I've yeah, step away from the lead. And now I'll call them out on it when they're wrong for clicks. But that's overseas. Uh, things are bad. Things are bad here. And... Aotearoa as well. Uh, it certainly could be better. It's it's not looking good. We've just day after day, man. They're, we're we're getting um like the most banal kind of shock doctrine here because no one's really shocked by the actions that the national government are taking. They're allowing Act in New Zealand first just to do and say whatever they want. 
uh, intentionally using divisive politics while claiming their opponents are the divisive ones uh, and a media industry that's just happy to say, ah, oh, yeah, haha. Um, it's. It. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm. I'm a little bit sad at how weak National is in this government right now. Uh, Luxon was obviously has turned out to be a terrible choice. The man has negative charisma and also seems to be kind of a buffoon, which is a thing that I. I kind of. I. I got a vague read of that during his campaigning time, but it seems to have come true, and it seems abundantly clear that David Seymour is kind of running the show a little bit right now, to the point where he actively made fun of and called out Chris Luxon in the media the other day, and Luxon just kind of ate it. Uh, and had no response whatsoever when David Seymour was like, actually, my new fascist little policy, <laughs> uh, you are going to support it, and I don't believe that you don't back it. Um, He's just I, nervous. I was, yeah, yeah. That's, a really, that's really nasty. It's a it's a really really creepy thing to say. Where he's just like, oh, he's just he's just got some uh, he's got cold feet, but he knows he knows the, the plan and action. Um, but yeah, David David Seymour wants um, wants a race war. I guess it seems to be what he's what he's going. Oh, no, I think you're the one who wants a race war, Oliver. <laughs> I'm being divisive, Oliver. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you used that language, and you're the first one to bring up race. <laughs> um, it's it's fucked, and and it's so clear what's happening. I mean, we all know that David Seymour is the one that the big boys uh, want to be pushing agendas. Like he he's he's their guy. He is the guy that funnels that money, right? Who who gets who's the hard edge of um, landlord capitalism here? That's yeah, mm. it's just a, a tube through which lobbyists sort of funnel things into policy. Um, and, and so he 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 does have that over Luxon. I mean, Luxon must really know about. Oh, I don't know how much, how fucking dumb is he? Um, but he, he he probably knows that he's been put there as a proxy at this point, um, who is just there to provide the centrist um, patterner uh, to an MMP led government um, from from the margins. You know, this has been a tactic that's been used since key key obviously wasn't going to be the guy that just let it happen um to the same extent that luxon is this is what this is why luxon had a like five-year lead-in to becoming the leader of national Party. this is why he was being pushed by like uh your favorite cheerleader for capital in the papers like constantly constantly as being like the, the he, he'll be prime minister one day yeah guy. he will you'll make it happen we need the empty suit you know like we need yeah we need the empty suit and this is the one eh? this is the guy that's got the pedigree but is dumb enough and hung, hungry enough for the role for the baubles of office that we can we can make this happen like the goal has always been to run this from the minor party um and call it democracy um, and that's and that's just how democracy works: is that the ma- the party with the most of the vote um, just funnels through stuff that no one voted for. Uh, you know, we just had to because it was in the coalition agreement. No, you didn't. Yeah, the fact that they're even like, oh, <laughs> you know, we'll turn it down at first reading. It's like, well, why why are you letting it go that way? Oh, why, we just like, <laughs> aren't you in this? Are you not in these meetings? Why why is it why is it that you're going to sabotage your own policy? Uh, what's what's the what's with the performance there? Why, why are we doing it this way? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, is he in these meetings, or is Luxon just sitting there with like a little rocking Newton's cradle, playing with it like big business boy? Like, <laughs> yeah. zoned I, 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 out. They just, 
they give him like a Nintendo Switch and he just sits there and plays Pokemon. Mom says it's go, my turn on the Steam Deck. <laughs> and they just turn on fucking MSNBC or whatever and like watch the pretty pictures, Chris. Yeah. Um, I don't think like I don't think Seymour is is like talented either. I want to be very clear about that. Um, he just has he knows he's but they have his back. I, he's not yeah he, he's not particularly he, he's not he's, he's not that clever but he is clever enough yeah uh, and if i wouldn't say he's not talented because he is talented at one specific thing which is finding uh cracks to drive wedges into oh having them uh, identified uh, for him i don't know like yeah yeah, yeah that, i mean that's also possible but he, he's quite you know you see you see him on twitter and he's, he's constantly just throwing chum to his base oh, yeah. Yeah. really really stirring them up and stuff and I, I think i suspect that he writes that stuff um I, again he might not he might just it could be the cigarette oh, he's a demagogue that's... for him absolutely um, but no it's like yeah he's not but when it comes to actual knowledge like uh i, I think he's he's crafty he's mm-hmm, he's got mm-hmm. the ability he can use his brain but when it comes to knowing things he basically doesn't seem to know much about anything and whenever he's whenever he gets sort of bailed up like in the debate that he did with chloe where he's asked to sort of answer or demonstrate his understanding of things it is always a profoundly humiliating ritual for him to go through because he just stands there and babbles and it's very abundant that as soon as you start to sort of press him on mm-hmm. any sort of informational level he doesn't have it he doesn't know what he's talking about He's just, he just has his lines. He has his, his sort of uh, angles of attack and that's it. Yeah. And they'll always return to them and just be like doing the, are you actually the racist ones? Or like, oh, it's just about equality really, you know? And you're like, that's not true. And it's very clearly not true. And you've had the uh, evidence told to you and you're still saying, oh, show us some evidence then. Um, But this is like, it's that, that format, right? That form within Western liberal democracies that reactionary right-wingers have been allowed to take. Um, and it's it's really easy mush to kind of feed into people's minds because the entire media industry has set it up as a defensible um, mode of communication. And it, it is one of those things because it does it it immediately falls apart as soon as you see them talking about anything that you know even like a, a passing understanding of. Yeah. So we we talked about we wanted to talk about the section twenty seven thing today, which is something that I am heavily involved in. As I've mentioned in previous podcasts, it's one of my sort of primary um, uh, jobs. It's one of the things I do uh, as a freelance writer. I do a few, a few of them, and as I understand it, Simon, you're a defence lawyer, so you probably also know these quite well through and through yeah um exactly i use them all the time i get them for clients whenever it's relevant and um i, I mean you should perhaps talk about your side of things and then um sure, i could yeah. possibly talk about the legal side of it so we'll do the two pieces that the two flavors that taste great together together at last yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah yeah and we got the perfect lineup for this week so the, the uh, yeah i i write a fair few section 27 reports and um one of the one of the things one of the lines that has been used a lot is that these are a Maori privilege thing, uh, which is what they've been doing around the um, repeal uh, principles, the treaty principles bill that they're pushing through as well, is it's about getting rid of Maori privilege thing. But the thing is, um, if you if you have even the basic understanding of a Section 27 thing, you'd know that it's not um, Maori. It, it, it's, it's written specifically because of an obligation that the Crown has to Maori, uh, which is the ability to have a representative who can speak on your behalf in court. But um, that's a wonderful thing, and it applies to everyone. Uh, Pakia are also beneficiaries of this treaty obligation in that uh, 
they can have Section 27 reports done. Uh, and while I, I specialize, because I am Māori myself, I specialize in writing Section 27 reports for Māori clients. Um, I have written probably maybe 40% of the ones that I've done have been for non-Māori. I've had Filipino clients. I've had Pākehā clients. Uh, I've had Fijian clients, Tongan clients, people from all over uh, the spectrum. I had a Chinese client like uh, late last year uh, who had, is a permanent resident here and was facing deportation uh, over the whole situation. And you, you, it changes the sort of nature of what you write about these people. But fundamentally, a lot of the same truths apply because the the, the key things to these Section 27 reports is not like, uh, as, as they put it, these simplistic sort of Maori support uh, documentation. It's uh, we're writing about the stories of these people and how they ended up where they are. And most of the time, honestly, it's just poverty and drugs and all the things that you sort of would expect to be the causative factors in crime. And what, what drives me crazy about this whole framing of, of it being sort of tough on crime is that the conservative position of being tough on crime has no interest whatsoever in actually preventing crime. It's only interested in punishing crime because we we know what causes poverty and i write every day as part of my work I, i'm writing constantly these are the things that are causing crime here is the endless and i mean endless endless research that i can cite for you to show you that these are the things that are causing crime here are the policies that other countries have implemented that have meaningfully decreased crime uh, and those things are poverty amelioration education drug rehabilitation those types of things and those are the recommendations you make in these reports uh, uh and and they say well you know why should they why should we do that though we'll put them in prison which statistically makes people more likely to reoffend. Uh, it hardens people. It takes non-violent offenders and turns them into violent offenders because it destroys their prospects in the real world it means they get out of prison, they can't find normal jobs, they can't find normal communities, so their community itself has fallen apart, they fall into uh, gang life because that's the only people who will give them any kind of work. Um, it, 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 there's so, it, all the overwhelming evidence shows that prison is not helping reduce crime, all it does is punish it, uh, and in the end, in many cases, increases crime. Um, but these guys... Um, they're not interested. Like I said, they're not interested. They're not. They're not trying to actually reduce crime. They're not trying to deal with the things that create it. They just want to punish people. And a non-zero number of them also know that it's a very good way to single out uh, marginal groups, specifically statistically impoverished groups like immigrants and Maori, um, who are the ones who end up most likely falling into those sort of poverty traps that can incentivize crime. And it's. Uh, bizarre that they phrase it in a way where they say well we we obviously know better so david seymour saying like these these are uh what did he call them activist judges using these section 27 reports to let prisoners off uh, and it's like sorry these are these are men <laughs> who have been working in and women who've been working in this profession legal profession uh, re researching and enacting the law for like 45 years in some cases uh, and you're saying that you understand better uh, what they do, uh, that they that they are simply being led by the nose by these sneaky little reports as opposed to just reading the reports and making judicial decisions based on that because that's their job. Uh, it's, it's baffling. It's baffling. The, the sheer arrogance of it is um, 
infuriating. There's just been such poor coverage of this as well, because clearly no one who's reporting on it understands any of what you just said, Oliver. <laughs> like, they haven't talked to anyone who does this, apparently. Um, they're going directly to ACT um, and National and whoever else to understand this. ACT using weird terms like activist judges as if we're in the States. Like, get fucked. Um, I pulled up a, an article um, to pre-read for this because um, I, I do some research because I'm a serious podcaster. Um, yeah, nice. It's from One News. And it just within the story itself, it's broken up by subheadings. The su- one subheading is for the Greens, um, obviously pushing back on this as they should. Uh, and the other one is for ACT. And the subheadings read as as thus. Axing of funding increases reoffending, Greens claim. Scales of justice shifting back towards victims, ACT says. And I don't know about, you know, other people who are media literate, but I feel like there's a difference in effect of of using that language uh, when framing up the argument of a political party. Yeah, claim. When they whenever you, whenever you see newspapers using the phrase claims, it's often the newspaper is trying to tell you, oh, well, don't take that seriously. Bad, bad, yeah, bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, Greens are right. Uh, uh, w- when you take resources away from these guys, they what what are they supposed to do? Yeah, and look, and the thing is, the other thing is, the green stuff is backed by evidence, uh, enormous amounts, mountains, uh, and all that needed to happen uh, in any reporting is to say, oh yeah, the evidence is, oh the greens are right. Yeah, and I mean, if you want, if you want to read the evidence, um, I, I think a lot of my work is accessible. <laughs> you can just go to the appendices section of one of my section twenty-seven reports where I cite. 30 or 40 different reports not that many but uh, depending on the the nature of the the report that i've written itself but um i'll 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 have a section of citations at the end explaining here are the studies that back up the cases that we're making here and they're explaining and you can go and you can read them and they have all this information in them and it is backed by research it is backed by evidence Uh, we have the information we have the facts but we're dealing with people who are actively uh, peddling in disinformation. They're not interested in facts. They're interested in vibes, throwing meat to the base. And they're also not, inv- like the, the argument they're making that it's, it's tipping the scales of justice towards victims. It, one, it's nothing to do with justice. Justice does not mean punishment. Justice is justice. It is its own uh, standalone concept that uh, uh, only people with very distorted minds, very, very twisted human beings think that justice and punishment are uh, synonyms and that 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 mindset is the mindset of someone that you should not associate with it's a very disturbing way of looking at the world and it's definitely not someone who should have any kind of hold on the reins of power that, uh, yeah yeah and so that's yet. the thing is like yeah i i wouldn't even trust david seymour to hang out at a barbecue and be normal because the, the the sort of that uh disingenuous hate boner he has for this um and and that the the idea of it being sort of in some way cent- uh, centering the sort of needs of victims is is also just sort of patently untrue because most victims actually aren't super concerned with the minutiae of sentencing. Uh, the primary thing is, did we get the guilty verdict that we were looking for, uh, and in many cases weren't looking for, uh, because victims of certain crimes don't actually care whether or not the person is even found guilty, uh, especially in the cases of like uh, theft or a robbery they just want their shit back uh, and they just want to know that someone sort of uh took into account 
what happened to them and that a person is being held responsible for it uh, and the, the extent to which that person is being held responsible because it is about the extent it's these section 27 reports are not getting people off they're not getting people innocent uh, verdicts it's just changing the degree to which they're punished or the means by which they're punished in many cases getting them things like home detention which is more effective at preventing crimes than uh, prison is uh, or getting them into rehab which is again like really important like it's, it's so important for so many of these offenders some of them who've been drug addicts since they were 10 years old uh you and i have lived these sort of you know doesn't matter what sort of class the fact that we're even here on this podcast is, is proof that we come from an upbringing that cannot begin to relate to where these guys have come from that sort of life of poverty that some in this country start in and then we expect them to be held to the same standard as those of us who grew up with just a sort of what you might call a standard middle-class upbringing um, when, when they're being introduced to drugs before they've even reached preschool is, it's, it's crazy to, to, to assume that we can understand the way that they are uh, interpreting the world. And that is a, that, I don't know, trying to help people see that and help people understand that is a big part of what the work of section 27 reports is, is, is getting people to go look at this, look at this world that we don't know. You don't have any friends from this world because they didn't make it to your world. They can't. Uh, the crossing the barrier between that abject poverty and making it into the level uh, uh, that it would be required to um, hang out with lawyers and judges is, is, is mathematically impossible. Uh, these guys were never going to get here. Uh, and so you, lawyers, judges, but all of us, really, all of humanity needs to be able to look into that world and understand it and see where these people are coming from. Because if they don't, people don't have the will to go and look themselves. Yeah. When um, <clears throat> this is this is almost too big a topic. And I think maybe this should just be a series on criminal justice or something, because there are a thousand different ways in which uh, the system kind of screws you if you get caught up in it. For starters, people think that if you start in the process of criminal justice through, which almost always happens through a violent act, which is arrest, right, um, being inflicted upon you, that everything will get cleared up if people understand that you had excuse or defense. And the answer is, even if it is a really, really minor thing, that is not the case. Your life for the next year and a half is probably kind of screwed in a lot of small ways. And if you are lucky and you have a lot of support and you have money, money is the biggest determinant by far, uh, that and, and actually having a place to live, then you might be okay through it and you won't come back into it and you might, you know, end up off that conveyor belt at the end without conviction, right? Which is, you know, that's the best case scenario. But either way, it's a bad time. If you don't have those things, you can just fall into that rabbit hole and keep going down and down and down and down. And that's what I see all the time. When I listen to people from uh, National and ACT talking about this sort of stuff, saying something like activist judges, I implore them to just go down to the district court for one day because these are not the judges that I'm in front of. We know before we go in front of one what they are going to do and say and whether or not there'll be a judge that totally ignores um, the law, which happens a lot. But, you know, there's, there's simply no time uh, in your workday because of the churn to appeal all these little injustices. They might just totally flout what's actually in the Bail Act. 
but it doesn't matter. There's nothing we can do about it. This happens all the time in my job. Like it's mm. if people knew, if they understood. The other thing is the way that uh, the criminal justice system looks about and quantifies you and instrumentalizes you in the barbarian sense is something that I think people don't really understand. When I talk to ordinary people and I say, you know, a discount on sentencing is done by discrete percentages. Like you get 10% for this, 5% for remorse. Most people are horrified because understandably you're reducing something which is uh, intangible, the life that you have left to live in terms of imprisonment or your prospects in having community and having fauna and having connection with anybody um, gets reduced down to a percentage number that gets applied to everybody. <laughs> and it's kind and, of yeah. a horrifying way of thinking about it, but this is something that is ordinary and normal for judges and for lawyers, right? Sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, I think I think a lot of people find it very shocking that it can be arbitrary because it never mm -hmm. occurred to them that sentences are technically just arbitrary. They're made it's up. Just, They're totally made yeah. up. I go in front of one yeah. judge and I'll say, you know, like uh, that they ought to get, you know, I might suggest 10 to 15% discount if this is horrible coming out of my mouth, right? It's like it's a Briscoe's sale, but this is something that you mm. have to pitch it as, right? Based on these particular factors in the cultural report as they relate to like, causation with the offending you have to kind of draw that line for them and the judge will be like no i never give more than eight <laughs> percent it's like okay that's well that's not me. what the court of appeal has said but it doesn't matter this is just what this this judge has decided that they're a hard ass and has decided that their personality is going to be like this and they're going to be a pick me for you know whatever our equivalent of the federalist society is and that's it it's over <laughs> right you know before you go in front of judges. them but like not in <laughs> yes. a good way. When I look at as well, you talk about evidence, like our the way that our laws work, not only do a lot of district court judges not actually follow them in particular, um, but, uh, and there's nothing you can do about it because there's just a sheer volume of people going through this, this meat grinder. But if you look at the Bail Act, if you look at the Sentencing Act 2002, they don't match criminological evidence that we've had for over half a century, right? Like Section 7 says that deterrence is a primary um, purpose of the act. We know that deterrence for most crimes doesn't exist, doesn't work, and that's not why people do crimes or don't do crimes. That's not the thought process that's going on. It's a total fiction. It's a comforting fiction that comes out of the, the time of the bloody code in the 18th century, and it just doesn't work and it's not true. But this is baked into our our foundational criminal law, right? Everybody has to pretend like this fiction is true when we engage with the system. Um, so well, even when you're not engaged with the system, because hmm. it's, it's kind of what I, I was, I touched on, but I kind of didn't fully articulate, but people don't like confronting these realities because it makes you go, wait, I've, does that mean that we've just got a bunch of people sitting in cages who maybe shouldn't be there? Uh, like nonviolent offenders who have done nothing but got caught with a bit of drugs in their car. Wait, is that why is that guy in jail? Like as soon as we all start looking at it mm -hmm. like uh, from a from a human perspective rather than just an automatic, oh well this is how we've always done it perspective, it's it's quite frightening. Now the biggest determinant for are you going to be in prison is do you have money? Because I have a lot of homeless clients who can't get home detention because they don't have a home to go to and therefore they're imprisoned. And people who commit shoplifting who then get charged with burglary because most people might be shocked to find out that the actual construction of burglary as an offense in New Zealand has nothing to do with invading somebody's home. It's going into any ship like aircraft enclosed space, i.e. somebody's yard and attempting to, uh, with, sorry, with the intention to commit a further offence. 
any further offense. If I walk down somebody's driveway and I pull at the door handle and then walk away, I've committed burglary, right? If you can prove that that was me and that's a 10 year maximum. Most people don't know that. And it doesn't get levied against most people. But if you are poor and homeless and the the cops are hot for you, or if the supermarkets have recently started, and I discovered this by talking to some prosecutors, that the supermarkets have started to pressure the police to um, charge people with burglary rather than shoplifting, you know, for like stealing 20 bucks worth of groceries, which I count down as three things, you know. <laughs> so all of these things are the reality, right? And so, and therefore you might not get a huge sentence of imprisonment, but you'll be there for, for five months or something for that. And people don't understand that that's the biggest determinant. But coming back to Section 27 reports, um, what I wanted to say is just that I think people, the actual, the actual legal basis for it is Section 27 of the Sentencing Act, right? If you look at the construction of the Act, you might not understand that, it, uh, that a report might come out of it. In fact, for a long time, there was, there was a great piece in the spinoff uh, that I think Tara Oakley and somebody else from Sentence Equality, who I've used many times, they're wonderful, wonderful writers and researchers, um, wrote about how this was kind of an obscure thing that was never really engaged until the report started coming out. Because well, what it's about is having a person, like you said, Ollie, come and speak on your behalf or, or give information to the court on your behalf about it. And the idea, I think, was intended to be, this is... Um, going to the realm of pure speculation here. I think the idea was that it would be, yeah, a representative of Te Maori where somebody from your community, you know, Komato or something could come and say, look, this is this person. I know them. This is what their background is. This is something you should take into account. You need to understand this was their family situation. Maybe they were fangai, maybe something else happened, you know, that, right? And now we have these actual really well-researched reports about people. Something that happens every time I read it is that my perception of the person who's received a cultural report changes. Because when you see people, uh, when you go down to the cells and they've been taken into custody, people are agitated. They're oftentimes incoherent. They are angry because they're a human being in a cage and they might not get bail because police won't check the address for another day. Because why would they? Who cares? Um, so they might be held if they're on a Friday, they might be held until Monday. You know, they're held for three days without having committed any sort of crime. Um, by the way, between a quarter and a third of our entire prison population have not been convicted um, of the crime for which they're being held. They just, you know, can't get bail um, because of, again, a, an amendment under the previous national government. Um, I think it was their Bail Amendment Act 2013, but that's just off, off the dome. Um, and people kind, kind of don't understand that, like, you see them in that situation and people just react in bad ways because it's a bad situation, right? When I see a cultural report, this might be the first time that somebody has sat down with a person and interviewed them and actually asked them about their life in a way that was just letting them talk. Mm. That's huge for people. And they connect, they, they might get knowledge because the, the writers, as I understand it, I'm sure that you do this as well, like canvas other people in their life, right? So then you have an understanding of their whakapapa, you have an understanding of the wider community that might exist, and they can then get in touch with that and they can then connect up rather than just being kind of snatched away and taken by the state into these cages and left to be in that cycle forever. Section 27 reports can be huge for people. Um, that's most often the kinds of clients who will come up and, you know, talk to me another time and thank me for, you know, their life having 
gone in a better direction as a result of it. When you hear what you hear on the news, it's totally different to what the reality is. Um, I, I've removed identifying details, but rather than just talking about the legal aspects, I might, you know, and you can cut this if it's um, necessary, but I was just going to read a paragraph from somebody who, uh, when I met them in the cells, they were like just kicking off, just so mad and angry. And it was really hard to get instructions from them. And the, it was not a good time, right? So this is, this is from the cultural report, just a small section. I was doing really well after I left that place. I had a place to stay. I had just gotten my job back um, at employment place blank. I wasn't using any drugs or anything. And then I broke my finger at work, so I couldn't work anymore. Straight after that, Wins said I missed an appointment with them, so they cut my benefit, and I got kicked out of my emergency housing. I was homeless. I was living in a car park across from the DHB building. This was about two weeks before I was arrested. One of the other homeless people living there told me about how the security of the DHB wasn't very good, and I didn't for a while, but one day I went in. I made me a coffee in the staff room, and I didn't get caught. I kept going back to make coffees, and eventually I found out they had shower blocks I could use to keep clean, and that there was a whole empty floor at the top, and so I was living up there. I wandered around the building one night, and the key box was open. I took the key in the car, and while I had the car, I was just like, I don't like where my life is going, so I took it back. I knew I would get arrested. I guess being in prison is better than being homeless and sneaking around a building trying to eat. I have food in here. I have a bed and there's opportunity for me to get better. I look back and maybe it was a cry for help. I don't have anyone, just the system. And that was somebody who was charged with burglary for sleeping in a commercial building because they were homeless. There's not really anything you can say to that, right? No. I mean, it's, it's, it's the work. It's, it's harrowing stuff. You, you go into, like I was talking about these two worlds, that you, you go into it and you meet these people who you, you, you can't help but start to understand how they've ended up where they are because that's what happens when you're given context. When you learn where these people came from and the opportunities that were given to them. I had a client recently who, again, we can cut this if we don't want to have no, details. No, like, but I trust you both young... to like remove details that are uh, problematic. I mean, I, I can't, I, I can't match the the sort of impact of what Simon's talking about there. But it was a young guy uh, who has um, recently had a psych report completed on him that determined that he suffers from fetal alcohol syndrome because his mother drank excessively while he was in the womb, and most of his criminal offending he was aided and abetted by people who were basically influencing a guy with a learning disability. Uh, and pressuring into committing crimes, but he's the one in prison when what he what he needs is quite abundantly clear that he needs care. Uh, he needs people who are looking after him and not just leaving him to these wolves, uh, these other people who are influencing him to commit these crimes. And at the end of the conversation, he, he said, um, he thanked me for sort of sitting down and chatting with him and said he reckons that might have been the longest conversation he's ever had in his entire life. And I remember just thinking, I don't, man, I don't know you, dude. Like, how, how is it that I've just shown up and in and, and our first interview uh, has had, just talked to you and had the longest conversation you've ever had? But it, when, when I went back and sort of was looking at my notes again, I was like looking at the people in his life, looking at the, the parents that um, failed miserably to care for him properly. Um, of course, of course, it's not that shocking that he went his whole life not having lengthy meaningful conversations with people because there was nobody looking out for him uh and then you know someone showed up and they pretended to be his mates and they took him out for a drive and they convinced him to break into a building and this stuff is fucking relevant 
There are, right. yeah, a lot it's of people with fetal alcohol syndrome, a lot of people with learning disabilities, as you say, a traumatic brain injuries one. Um, there was huge, crazy. I had a, so many people in, in prison have some form of brain damage. Like this is what we yep. do to people with mental health problems. This is what we do to people with neurological problems. We don't have a health system in, anymore. So we just throw them in jail. One of, one of the, again, I, 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 maybe I'll, maybe I'll, um, get chat to the, some of the lawyers that I do this for to make sure that this is fine. But I had a client once who um, suffered a severe head injury when he was 19 and has uh, seizures, but the, he was never diagnosed formally with epilepsy, mm-hmm. uh, but he has routine seizures and he takes epilepsy medicine to sort of keep on top of it. Um, but they were constantly triggered by drinking alcohol. And whenever he had these seizures, about maybe 10 minutes before he had the seizure, he would suddenly become really irritable, like extremely irritable and violent sometimes. Uh, and basically, he, uh, he learned this. He went through the youth courts because he was drinking. He would drink. He would Before having a seizure, he would get into a fight. And it was so consistent that he was like, oh, I need to stop drinking. So he didn't drink for 20 years. Uh, and then one day his neighbor invites him around and he has, uh, they're, they're having a barbecue and he says, oh, do you want a beer? And he goes, yeah, I mean, it's been 20 years. I'm sure I'm fine now. He drinks the beer. Literally, it's like he had some kind of allergy to alcohol, but within minutes of having the beer, uh, he suddenly gets really, really irritable, blacks out, starts a fight with his neighbor and then has a, a violent seizure and ends up in hospital. Uh, and when he wakes up, finds out he's being charged with a, an assault that he doesn't remember happening. Uh, and the thing is, when mm. when you you might say, "Oh, that sounds like a pretty outlandish story," but you talk to people in his life, and they're like, "Yeah, he's had them his whole life. He was in a he was in a car accident, and and you ha- it's borne out by evidence because those people, when you talk to the people around him, they say, "Yeah, I mean, when he, he'd never drink for twenty years, there was not a single incident because he's not a violent guy. Uh, it's it, it, all it was was this this brain injury, and the, again, it's these situations where these guys they need treatment." Yeah, I and have that, a colleague who has a client with the same thing. Like, this is real. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, you know, we've we're thrown a podcast together, like, with a couple of people who deal with these reports, and this is the most I've heard about them. <laughs> you know, this is very... Anyone in the media listening, it's very easy to find <laughs> this, this information. It's, it's, I'll talk to you for hours. I'll talk to you for hours. Right, look, um, there, an offer right there. You can you can find yeah. this guy on Twitter. Yeah. Um, My weakness is that I get I sometimes get choked up because I'm not I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I, I'm not trained in compartmentalizing my brain, and I go in and I do this type of work, and it's it is emotionally devastating. You have to learn how to sort of pull yourself out of it, and sometimes you mm-hmm. kind of like even here I'm, I find it difficult to talk about because it is. It's hard and it's terrifying and it's it's, it's yeah. World is a bad place like, for looking, some looking people. At, looking into that, it's a it's a yeah. It's we talk when we talk about the world being a bad place. I sometimes roll my eyes a little bit because I'm like, man, we have it so comparatively good. No, individually, absolutely right. Like mm. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm that was, sorry that wasn't meant to be. No, a, no, 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 a no, Criticism no. of you. I, I just, I just mean. I agree um, with you. Yeah, like it, it makes me appreciate how good I've had it. It's a, the dividing line between. Uh, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but between progressivism or leftism and some of these other ideologies, it's like, yeah, you know, I'm doing pretty okay. However, um, there are other people out there in the world who are not. Yeah, one um, penultimate thing I want to say is if you're sitting in relatively comfortable circumstances and you're being enticed by the notion of quote-unquote law and order, these changes will not make you safer. 
They won't make your house safer. They won't make it less likely that you are subject to violence. Only only eradicating poverty does that. And fostering community and not having a totally alienated society where everybody's separated from each other, both geographically and you know, spiritually and otherwise, right? That won't make you safer. It and just won't. Centuries of evidence. Like, yeah. and, and that's that's what's crazy about it is they're not they're not even banning the production of the reports. They're just yes. banning access to funding. Yeah, that's what I was going to uh, bring the, up actually as a as kind of like a because stone. poverty is the point is 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 impoverishing yeah. impoverishing the poor and taking what little government resources they can access. Wait, because this is the thing, right? Rich people would still be able to get a cultural report because they can fund it themselves? Yeah, yep, absolutely. Of course. Uh, they, they probably won't need it because the, the odds of them even getting a tough sentence is already very low. Yeah, so yeah. they'll only be getting one um, if they really need one, if they've done something really heinous. Yeah, well, well, if they've done something truly heinous, the odds Name of suppression. the report helping them is not <laughs> going to help them. The thing is, a culture, if you've done something, one, truly heinous, and two, um, came from a very, very wealthy background, then a, a cultural report's probably not going to do a ton for no. you. What am I going to say? Oh, this guy was born with a silver spoon in his mouth and no one ever <laughs> wronged him his entire life. No, but I mean, <laughs> there could be someone with a brain injury or something, right? That's true. No, that's true. That's valid. I mean, have you uh, listened and, to and Max Key's music? That. that stuff is criminal. <laughs> oh, he will never be punished, though. Yeah, um, privilege. Yeah, yeah, they could. Yeah, someone, someone of means could absolutely get one of those reports done. They're less likely, like I said, they, they are less likely to need it, but there are circumstances in which yeah. they'd need it. Um, but unfortunately, they will be the only people who can do it because you know these. Um, the part of the reason these guys are offending in the first place is because they can't afford uh, basic needs. They can't afford to commission these types of reports. They'd have to start. I don't know, funding it. But that's, they'd need a, a strong network to do it as well. The... So they'd need to, intent like there the the mechanism by which the act party has what what do they say we've secured the defunding of section 27 mm. reports you fucking cunts um <laughs> but the the mechanism by which they're doing that and the fact that section 20 they haven't repealed it you know this, this still exists really gives the lie to all the other language that they're using about this but we know we've just cut off a tap for things that are re- like there's, is there a, a requirement within law for these, for cultural background stuff, and but just not for the reports themselves? Well, it depends on what that. you mean. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, the thing is, usually when a, a an act uses language like must, that means must, right? But section 27 is constructed so that it says the offender may request that the court right. hear their cultural background, right? So this is something which is a, a facility uh, available to them, um, you know. It's, it's without, not a requirement at all. Without someone to actually write their report, they can't. I mean, they could still get someone in to, to do it, right? Something most people don't know is that legal aid is not free anymore. Um, it's actually a loan. That was a change by the last national government. No, I didn't we know don't, that. Yeah. It oftentimes gets written off because people are in just such dire circumstances yeah. that they'll be like, okay, all right. But that was an actual legislative change. Their public, uh, you know, our public defenders, well- not just the public defense service, but those who take legal aid contracts, because of course it's partially privatized, right? Um, is not is not you're not actually entitled to a lawyer in the way that you think you are, constitutionally speaking. <laughs> Most people don't know that. Um, and the way that this gets funded is we have to seek what's called an amendment to to grant, an amendment to the legal aid grant that's actually given to you in order to get it. And legal aid could say no to the cultural report. Um, they're allowed to do that. You have to give them justification and reason as to why and and try to spin a kind of sob story before you actually know the full story about it in some ways um, in order to secure that funding for it. So it's already not 
guaranteed to you and it's already not, you know, a given. And this is something that many, many people have to pay back, actually. So, like, everything the act does, this isn't just an attack on the poor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, one thing that I want to note about criminality is, like, we talk about, um, <laughs> like, you did a thumbs up in an audio medium. Is that, like I said, you know, if you trespass, if you've been trespassed from pack and save because you shoplifted there and then you come back, they can charge you with burglary, right? 10 year max. This is all true. That that can happen to a person. And of course, you know, the further they are down the social scale, the more likely it is that they'll be screwed by that. Um, on the other hand, uh, I think somebody just posted in the one of 200 server recently about how like BNZ being privatized was bought for like $1 billion when it was worth $7 billion at the time or something when it was sold off. It was flogged off to, um, you know, the business roundtables mates, <laughs> BNAB. And that kind of theft on a mass scale or what might happen with this term with privatization of water and complete contravention of three waters is something where I think your life will actually be made demonstrably worse and and the people that you know and love and you might actually be harmed by pollution and by environmental degradation and destruction and having to pay for things that are public resources that are, are stolen from us, right? Uh, and the people who are making out like bandits out of that, hundreds of millions of dollars out of that, you know, theft of public money, they will never, ever see the inside of a cell unless something changes, Right. But the person who steals a $13.50 chicken wrap in Whitaker's bar, they will. <laughs> God. That's the thing. I think the the thing that really I think about often is how much people in that sort of lower, I, I, I don't want to say caste, but there, there is there is an unofficial caste system in New Zealand. And I think people mm. who are in that position very much are the sort of canaries in the coal mine of the next 10 years. We're, we're seeing that that sort of deprivation and degradation of quality of life that they are experiencing is something that uh, can and will be writ large to those of us who see ourselves as safe from it. And I think it's dangerous the way that people sort of habitually turn away from it because it's scary or it's unpleasant or it's depressing to look at. Uh, but you've got to look at it because if you don't, you won't understand it. And if you don't understand it, you can't fight back against the the, the changing of the tide there. Um, so look into this world is, I guess, my my plea to those who who want to know more or sort of understand this is, is look into it. And um, I don't know, maybe maybe book in. You can you can just email operations if you want to and say I'd like to organize a prison visit. Because talking to prisoners is some of the most illuminating work uh, I've ever done in my life. It is uh, not some. It is the most illuminating work I've ever done in my life. Uh, and I'm, I'll be sad if I can't do it anymore because it's not because the clients can't afford to, to pay for the work anymore. Um, but that's it. Um, that's the world. Yeah, I want to plug Prisoners Correspondence Network. Um, does really good work. They do their holiday card drives. If you've ever been involved in that, I mean, stay on board, keep in touch with that. I totally agree with Ollie. And um, people against prisons Aotearoa, we have people Amazing. on from time to time, one of 200 that are from there. I'm a member. Um, if you've got a local branch, get involved, get stuck in. Because the best time to fight against this was yesterday because we haven't actually got back the losses under the last national government. Um, and we haven't reversed those and they're about to get worse. Uh, and the second best time is today. Fantastic. Hey, thank you so much, both of you, for joining us. Um, oh, my pleasure. Daughter. It's been really good to have two people who are able to give detail on a single subject, uh, which is a rarity. <laughs> yeah.
Thank you as well to our audience. Thank you for listening. If you've learned anything, uh, spread the news. Let, let people know um, because you're certainly not getting much of this anywhere else. It's <laughs> it's becoming such a pan of, um, of our work, but I guess of indie media in general. I want to be able to trust mainstream media to give me all the information about a particular subject. I would love that. But and I don't want to have to be here talking about it. <laughs> I know. I would be here talking about it regardless. <laughs> I haven't eaten breakfast, Kyle. Neither have I. Neither I just- have I. No, I just mean I wish that it wasn't. They weren't trying to destroy this <laughs> yeah. so that we didn't have to then discuss it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. it's it's not it's not fun. Um, <laughs> but yes, spread the information. Give us a share around. We'll see if we can get some clips out of this as well, so we can make that more sh- shareable and clickable. I'll drop <laughs> like a subscribe. link to PCN and Papa in the summary as well. If you want to reach out to those organisations, that's been another another week. We hopefully have a really good podcast for you mid next week. Uh, Really excited about this one. uh, But otherwise, we'll catch you for current events next weekend. See you later. Amongst the people every day In this vindictive, forgetful fucking rain It feels like we're on the road to hell